Welcome to the Surviving Life Podcast, where everyday people share their stories of inspiration and hope through their challenges. This will be a reminder to you that there is always hope when you feel hopeless. There's always light when you feel surrounded by dark. And there is always a way to live in your life instead of exist in it. We are all survivors of this life. And this podcast is meant to inspire you to go out and live your best life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Surviving Life. It is walk-in Wednesday, my favorite day of the week. It is when I go sit in my closet, get away from the outside world, and sit here in my makeshift podcast studio and talk to you guys here on surviving different areas of life. Um, This week, I want to talk to you about what it's like to survive cancer, and I'm somewhat of an expert at this topic, I guess I would say, um, because 10 years ago, I found out that I had breast cancer. As you know, I'm still here. So throughout that process, I learned and grew so much and got so much out of it. But when you hear those words, it doesn't change the fact that there's a process that happens afterwards. And I thought it would be good to kind of talk about what it's like to survive hearing those words. And so that's what today's podcast episode is going to be about. So let's jump right in here. What do you do if you hear those three words, you have cancer? Or what do you do if someone you know has heard those three words, you have cancer? Let me go back and tell you a little story about when I heard those three words myself. So back in 2009, December 22nd, 2009, I was laying on an operating table ready to remove a lump that no one honestly thought was cancer. I had no family history. We found out later I had no genetic reason. I was only 30 years old. All the reasons that I would not have to have cancer but still needed this lump removed were there. So honestly, I wasn't that worried. I was kind of thinking about it in the back of my head, but not really a whole lot. So I laid on the operating table and I remember the last thing I said to them before they put me off into dreamland. I said, hey guys, uh, so I know you're going in there to take this this lump out. Do you think that you could kind of give me an upgrade and, you know, nip and tuck some areas, make me a size zero waist and a double D top? And they all laughed because I made the joke and um, I fell asleep. That's the last thing I remember until I woke up. Uh, what I thought was seconds later, but clearly several hours later. And my husband and my surgeon were standing over me like I had died. I was laying there just looking up and they were like sad looking and they just had this look on their face that I'll never forget, this solemn sadness. And I heard, you have cancer. And that's literally the only three things that I remember from that day. The only three words. Everything else is kind of honestly a blur. So I hear those words. I 
told my husband to pinch me because I thought I was still like dreaming and not quite awake from the surgery. And I was just very confused. And then I went home and really had to, everybody's crying. My, my parents were upset. My family members were all sad. People were messaging me that knew me and were like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? And I just was like, holy cow, what just happened? Yesterday, I woke up and I was a normal human being. Today, I woke up and I'm now a cancer patient. And it was very, very, gosh, I don't even know what word I would use to describe it. (laughs) And I'm pretty good at words. But it was just very surreal. And it didn't feel like it was real for several days. And then when the reality kind of kicked in after Christmas, basically, so this was three days before Christmas. So all I was worried about was making sure my kids had a great Christmas and they didn't even know anything was going on. And they did. And we did muddled through that. Um, And then it was after Christmas that it kind of hit me where I was like, you know, uh, this is, this is serious. And then I definitely had a breakdown and I cried and I was upset. And I said, why do I have to deal with this? Why can't somebody else? Why I'm a good person. I was trying to reason with God as to why, you know, like if you could just do this, then I would do this. And, um, it just, it was like the stages of grief and, and loss of my old life basically. And so I kind of thought, most people that are hearing that are feeling the same way. They go through those, they're really mad about it for a while, then they're really sad about it for a while, and then there's some form of acceptance in there eventually. And everybody goes through those stages differently, um, for sure. But I wanted to give you a few things if you or a loved one has found out that you had cancer. I want to give you a couple of pieces of advice just from my lessons learned on what would help you and what would not help you. Number one, stay off the internet. Yeah, stay off the internet. No WebMD, no looking up breast cancer like I did. I mean, how dumb is that? I find out I have breast cancer and I look up every kind of fact on breast cancer that I could possibly find. Well, 90% of those things didn't even apply to me. Well, maybe 75% didn't apply to me. But most of that stuff was just scary and it was worst case scenarios. It was different types of breast cancer. So no matter what kind of cancer you or your loved one has, just stay off the internet. There's no point. Listen to your doctor. Don't listen to Dr. Google. Um, If I could go back, I would probably do the same. Well, I would like to think that I would do the same. (laughs) But let's be honest. It's not helpful. Take an internet detox for a while and just be in the moment. Enjoy your family. Do anything else besides look on the internet. Number two, whether you feel you need it, um, take it as it comes or whatever you feel, just take it as it comes. Whether you're mad, sad, fear, denial, wishing that it was a lie, um, Whatever it is that you're feeling, just feel it. You don't have to suppress any of those feelings. You've got to feel them in order to work through them. And they don't feel good. These are things that people try to avoid feeling because they're not fun. And I do not like feeling any of these emotions at all. But I have to do it in order to move forward in my life. 
Otherwise, you're going to be stuck. It's like part of you will always be stuck at that spot that you never moved on from. So you've got to just take each day for what it's worth and take it one day at a time, maybe one hour at a time, maybe even one minute at a time and feel what you're feeling and move through those emotions. There's no timeline. So don't let somebody tell you that you have a timeline on that. Um, Number three, you can stay in that space that I was talking about, fear, denial, anger, sadness, whatever. You can stay there as long as you need it, but you don't get to live there. That is not your home, so you may not move your furniture in. That was a piece of advice given to me by a therapist um, many, many years ago, and that is a piece of advice I tell everyone that will listen, and I truly practice that concept. Um, I thought that was the most intelligent thing that's ever been said to me, I guess. Um, You can stay in that space of whatever emotion you're in as long as you want, but it's not your home. You may not move in your furniture and you may not live there. So I want you to remember that as you are moving through those emotions, you have to feel them, but you don't get to live there. You've got to be able to not pack up and move your furniture in. And I just, I love that piece of advice. And so I hope that you will remember that through your journey as well. And it's not just cancer, it's anything. It's any yucky emotion that you're having a hard time dealing with. That's a fantastic way of looking at it. So you can stay there forever. Well, not forever, but you can stay there as long as you like, but you can't stay there forever. How about that? Um, next one, talk to somebody. Um, talk to somebody that's gone through cancer before. If you're a caregiver of a person that just found out, talk to somebody that's been a caregiver because caregivers and cancer patients have two very different, but similar experiences. They're, they're very different in, in, from a cancer patient perspective, which is mine, um, I actually felt like I had more control than I did in the times that I've been watching someone go through cancer because it's my life. It's me. It's, I know how I feel. And there's some element of control, I suppose, in there. And so it's very different for me to be a patient of cancer versus a caregiver of cancer. Um, You really have to think about just finding the right people to, to be in your circle and and really, truly just trying to ask questions on from somebody who's been there before and, and made it through on the other side. It will give you hope. It will make you realize that you're not alone in this world. There have been people that have gone through this before, and they may have some lessons for you that they did well or not well, and they may have some things um, to share with you. So talk to somebody. Write in a journal. I wrote in my journal all the time, and I'm so glad that I did. I actually had a a blog online, and that is where I did most of my thinking out loud for the world to see. Uh, It still exists out there somewhere. It's called thinkpink at blogspot.com or something. I don't know. thinkpink-holly at blogspot.com. I think that's the name of it. I don't know, but it was a blog that I wrote on. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But um, that blog was what I wrote when I had cancer. It started just to keep all my family members informed. So I only had to say things once and then it became therapy and I used it to write poetry. I used it to write funny stories. I used it to make fun of cancer. I used it to share pictures of shirts that said, 
does my uh does does this shirt make my head look bald i just used it to bring light to people's lives even when i was going through what was not a good time i wouldn't call it a dark time because it wasn't fun but it definitely wasn't a time where I want to go back, but I, I got more from cancer than it got from me. Um, but when you talk to somebody and you realize you're not alone, when you journal your thoughts and you get your feelings out and you, you bring all those things to light because all that fear, all of that anxiety, all that stuff lives in the dark, in the shadows. And when you bring that out to the light, that's your first step of healing. That's your first step of working through things. We have to bring those things to light. And it is my mission in this world to make sure that you guys bring these things to light because I want to be a lighthouse for you. I want you to see that there's a a flicker of light and go towards that light and that light grows and grows and grows. You can do that inside of you as well. Um, The next one is take action. For caregivers and loved ones, start meal trains, send care packages, send movie cards, deliver food to their house, avoid... There's some things to avoid, um, manicures, pedicures, things where you could be in public situations and um, kind of be exposed to more germs, especially when your immune system's compromised. Um, one of the things that I love the most that people did for me was to bring my kids things. They would bring my, my kids were five and two and they would bring little games or they would take my kids out for the day to go have a fun play date somewhere. They would, um, get like movies. That was back when you could rent movies more often than you do now. I'm aging myself. Um, crossword puzzles, books, all those things are fantastic. Just trying to avoid those those places that are in public um, that you could be exposed to lots of germs. I would avoid those until after the cancer journey is completed. Um, but doing things, my sister started a meal train for us. I told her, no, I don't want it. She did it anyway. She ignored me. And it turned out to be one of the most positive, best things that could have happened. I thought I could do everything on my own. Um, I couldn't. (laughs) And I think sometimes when you accept that help as a patient, you feel like it's the first like indicator. If you're a type A like me, that it's like, you can't do everything on your own, Holly. And, um, I was so glad once I gave up that power, that control that I had over that piece and just let somebody help me. And it helped my sister to cope with the situation by taking action. So sometimes you're just helping those other people feel like they have some power in in your healing and you don't realize it maybe at the time, but they do. They do have a lot of power in your healing and it helps them to to go through that situation as well. So it's really a beneficial thing for all of you. Um, Caregivers uh, need the same things. They just they need to be taken care of as well. But right now their focus is caring for their cancer survivor, um, cancer patient person, whatever you want to call them. And I get that. But maybe when they're done with treatment, caregivers could use a pick me up because that is a time when they're kind of like, oh my gosh, what just happened? I think that's very, very common for people going through treatment and being caregivers of somebody going through treatment. You are so focused on an end date. For me, August 17th, 2010, all I cared about was getting to the end of that line, August August 17th, August 17th. I just need to get to August 17th. And then August 17th came and went 
And then I got to start processing all the emotions that I wasn't dealing with because, not because I couldn't, but I was focused on my health. I was focusing on finishing the race, finishing the game, finishing the treatment, whatever you want to call it. And then when I was finished, that's when I really started to have to deal with the emotional piece of what happened. And I think caregivers are kind of like that too, in the sense that they've been so focused in helping this person through their illness that when they're done, they almost don't know what to do anymore. And cancer patients and caregivers have this whole new normal when it's over. They're just like, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And that's where I have been trying to fill that gap because I've, I see a gap in that aftercare piece. And that's the gap that I'm trying to fill right now by working with people and creating courses around this stuff, because that is what I want to do more than anything is fill that gap because they don't know how to process. They don't know how to deal with a new normal. It's very, very challenging. So you as a person out there listening or you as a patient or survivor, um, understand that we need some time to go through those emotions and we need to be able to um, kind of go through, have some grace to go through them. Uh, The last thing, if you found out you have cancer, dude, live your life. This was the best advice given to me by a nurse in the chemo room. And I said, I just feel like I have to live in a bubble and I feel like my whole world has just stopped and I don't have any control over it anymore. And she goes, look, Holly, you have got to still live your life. You are going to be limited on the things that you can do. And you may have some things that you have to adjust to. But you, if you want to go for a walk, go for a walk. If you want to go do something, go do something. But you need to be smart about what you're doing. You cannot, you have to listen to your body, which I'm sure you've never done before, Holly. And I hadn't. And so I had to start listening to my body and what it was telling me I needed to do. If you need rest, you need rest. If you have energy, then you can do something. But you, she said, you have to still continue to live life and you still have to continue to move forward and, and still feel all of those emotions that you feel on the journey of life. And I loved that. And I thought that was really great, um, advice from that lovely chemo nurse, um, way back then. Talk on the phone to people. If you can't see them in person, talk on the phone, FaceTime. You can do so many things now. Our technology is amazing. I think the the great quarantine that we're in at the moment of me recording this is very similar to when I had cancer. My world stopped very similar to the quarantine that has been 35 days strong now. I think that it is kind of crazy how I'm feeling a lot of those same emotions and those same feelings that I felt when I had cancer. And so I think that gives me a great advantage here to help all of you process here. Whenever we get out of quarantine, there's going to be a lot of new normals to deal with. Um, We have been in our homes for a long time. We've been doing things very differently, adjusting to a different way of life. And one day they're just going to go, okay, it's done now. And then we're going to have to adjust. And that is truly what happened to me during cancer. So I hopefully I will be prepared to help you through that after this is all done. Last, but certainly not least, it's actually probably most important. um, Try to keep your mind as positive as possible. If you just found out you have cancer, 
Like I said, you've got to deal with those, those emotions that are coming through. But if you can force yourself every day to write one thing that's positive, I'm not telling you you have to live your whole day positive, but I'm telling you if you can write one thing down every single day that is positive that you're grateful for, sarcastic or not, I don't care. Just get in the practice of doing that every day. That's what changed my world. That's why I am who I am right now. I'm thankful that I had cancer because I am who I am today because of it. Because every single day for three months, I wrote down one thing that was good in my life. And some days it was so hard, you guys. Some days it was so hard to um, find some good in the day. And I, I couldn't. It was very difficult. But I wrote something anyway. And sometimes it was sarcastic, but I did it. And after three months, I didn't need that journal because I was naturally changed as a result of it. I didn't need that journal anymore. And my my outlook on the world changed. And when I started looking at all the positive of life, I realized that my problems didn't go away. I still had cancer. I still wasn't feeling good. I still um, didn't like what I looked like when I looked in the mirror, but I was not focusing all my energy and attention on the things that were wrong with my life. I was focusing all my energy and attention on the good things and when I did that, more good things started happening. And just like a virus spreads, so did my gratitude, so did my positivity, and everybody around me changed. You can do that. Even if you're not a cancer patient, you can do that right now. You can make the choice to do something different today. So if you are struggling with any, with hearing those three words, if you are, are struggling because someone you love heard those three words, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. You are going to have some challenges, of course, but you are going to focus on those things every single day, living in that moment of what is good, and you're going to focus on those things, and you're going to make it through. I love you. I cannot wait to talk to you again soon, and I hope that helps. If you need to reach out to me more, I am more than happy to chat with you. Uh, via email. You can find me on Facebook, uh, all the all the things, right? And I would love to chat with you more. We also have a cancer survivor and caregiver free group that allows those people to connect with other people that are in that same boat. And I would love for you to join that group as well, um, because there is so much good that can come out of us realizing that we're not alone. I think that's probably the thing that holds us back the most in this world is when we just feel like our problems are only on us. Nobody's ever felt those problems. Nobody's ever walked the walk that we've walked. They just don't get it, right? But they might not have the exact same story line line as you, but they understand how you feel and you're not alone out there. I am... I am right there with you. I have felt so many different emotions. I've done so many things well, and I've done so many things wrong. And that is the journey of life. And the journey of life was never meant to be a destination. It was meant to be the ride along the way. What you're seeing, what you're doing, who you're impacting, that is your life. Not the end date, not the beginning date. It's what did you do with the time that you've been given? So you were blessed enough today to open up your eyes. So you have the obligation to yourself and the obligation to this world to do something with that time that you've been given. 
So go impact somebody else's life. Have a fantastic day. And we'll talk again soon. From my closet to yours. See you next time. If you'd like to learn more about what we're doing over at Holly Boys Fitness, please visit the website www.hollyboyce.com and you can sign up for a free weekly newsletter with fitness, food, and fun and mindset tips every single week right to your email inbox. And guess what? Because you would be a part of the VIP squad, you will have first access at all amazing new programs and new things that I'm doing. I would love to have you join me on any social media site. And again, I'll see you next time.